All right, it's uh, Austin here with One Size Fits None. It is another episode in the books, and we're super excited about Jason Cowart. And yes. he is not in Dayton, Texas, although I say Dayton <laughs> over and over again. It is Liberty, Texas, and started a church in the pandemic. Great dude, and we get a little bit spicy throughout this. and But it's super helpful, super helpful. So It is helpful. Yeah. Um, Great. I just want to say, first of all, nobody knows where Dayton or Liberty, Texas is, so they're going to have to <laughs> Google it. So it's fine. You, you know, <laughs> uh, but but also, yeah, we do get a little spicy, but, uh, you know, you have to you have to listen for the principles. We didn't pick on any names in particular, but uh, but I, I do love that we got to the point of calling out um, just some crap. And uh, I thought it was really good, but I love his heart, his vulnerability. I like his um Matt like his push, man. He gets a little, little hot slash vulnerable slash emotional in there, and I, I think that's really, really great. I love hearing. I love hearing occasionally from the older church planners. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that I am the age of said older church planners, but, but, I, but I, I do love that. I think it's really helpful. So I think everybody's gonna enjoy this. Yeah, he uh, calls you bro a lot. Gets into preacher mode a lot, and it's gonna be super. It's gonna be super helpful. Just imagine a guy with a massive gray beard. <laughs> And he's coming for you, okay? And it's he gonna is. help you a lot in your church planting journey. Hey, so, real quick, just wanna just wanna also say that he uh, reminds me of your dad. So my dad? Yes, Doctor Doctor Reverend Coleman. Just wanted to shout out, say love you, man. Thought of you today. <laughs> listening to uh, listen to Doctor Coward here. Anyway, listen to oh, man. Listen to this one. <laughs> All right, here it goes. Since we launched less than two years ago, we've been connecting a shoestring budget with Planning Center and raw talent every week to make our worship and production work on Sundays. But honestly, we weren't getting the experience we wanted or even the experience we knew we were capable of. So we turned to Weekend Ready. Dylan and his team came in, coached us, and organized our teams, then placed us on a trajectory toward a dynamic worship experience. It wasn't a budget problem. It wasn't a planning center problem. It wasn't even a talent problem. The secret sauce was Weekend Ready's process. Our worship and production is night and day different from this time last year because of Dylan and his team. They've worked with mega churches like Central in Las Vegas and church plants like Heart and Soul in Knoxville, all to get churches weekend ready. Because you listen to One Size Fits None, Weekend Ready wants to give you special pricing by using the code OSFN. So go online, fill out their connect form, and put OSFN in the subject. Then you'll receive a church planter's discount because you are a church planter. That's weekendready.com, W-K-N-D-Ready.com, and code OSFN. All right, so... Uh, Jason, we're on here with Jason Cowart. And uh, Jason, so for the people that don't know you and they don't see your immaculate beard, they don't know where where in the world Dayton, Texas is. It's Dayton, right? Um, Liberty, technically. We, we Liberty. Lived, we were going to plant. We were going to plant in Dayton, but we ended up planting in Liberty about six minutes away. Okay, so the small town outside of the small town. That's it. Um, so the people that don't know you, tell everybody, uh, your family, your church, where you're at, all the things. For sure. Yeah. Jason Cowart's my name. Um, been married for just 15 years in, uh, in June. So uh, we have three kids, uh, 10, eight and four. Um, and, uh, we, we planted freedom church originally was going to plant in Dayton, Texas, um, in 2020. But um, we're one of those crazy um, pandemic planters like a lot of people have been. And so uh, 
uh, ended up not being able to plant in the town we thought we were going to plant in, but ended up going about six minutes um, to the east, which it's weird because Liberty and Dayton are two small towns that, I mean, Liberty and Dayton used to be the same town. Um, it used to be, uh, it used to be Liberty and West Liberty. And um, as well, all the way back in the 1800s, they changed all that to Dayton. But um, the the thing is, is like Liberty, just their arms were open to uh, like not only us to come in, but like just the space we, we, you know, we were looking for a space. And so um, Dayton is in a huge growth boom right now. Um, uh, uh, the main loop around um, Houston, the 216 mile loop around Houston is called 99. They just finished it through our area. And so we knew that there was going to be a growth boom, which is why we wanted to come to this area. Um, Dayton should have about a hundred thousand people in it by 2030 which that means it went from 7,000 and it's projected to go to a hundred thousand. Um, so growth is wow. insane. Like my, my house in Dayton, um, has gone up in value by $50,000 in about a year, just because of how many, how much growth is coming in. And so, um, but we ended up planting in Liberty, which is the County seat of Liberty County. Uh, it's a town of about nine to 10,000 people. Um, we have a, about a 6,000 square foot, um, storefront space over there, right in the center of town. And, uh, you know, small town strategy is a little different from from, you know, the Metroplex stuff. It's it's uh, it's been a lot different. Um, but, you know, coming from small towns myself, I mean, I, I grew up in a, a town called Jasper, Texas, um, you know, 8000, 9000 people. Um, and so um, spent time in in Longview, Texas. I was there for in that area for about 15 years college. And then I worked at a church there um, for about seven years, about 80,000 people. Um, 80 to hundred K there. And, uh, you know, so coming back to a small town was a little bit of a culture shock for us after having been in, you know, the big town for a while. So <laughs> the big city. Okay. So yeah. you were, all right. So the church you were at before you launched freedom, what was that church and how long were it's you there? New covenant. Yeah. New covenant church in Longview, Texas. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if I could say more great things about new covenant. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's easily they still pay your salary or <laughs> no, but I was actually just there at the beginning of July, um, speaking and, um, man, I don't know if you've ever been to a church where, um, every single person, it seems like they are dedicated to you becoming your highest potential in Christ Jesus, but that's new covenant. And, um, so the, the pastoral team, um, uh, man, they just, they took us in, in 2012 when we, when we got there and, um, you know, I'd, I'd been a pastor already for a, a number of years, and uh, we even actually planted a church in 2010 in Marshall, Texas called Oxygen. And um, really a like a that 18 to 28 year old kind of focus. Of course, you know, you know, young adults they don't have any money. So it's like <laughs> it didn't last very long just because of the, that side of it. But um, um, but man, New Covenant was just it's it's amazing how God knows what you need, because it was exactly what we needed. Um, and you know, I, I knew I was going to plant a church when I was 18 and that was in, that was in 1998. And, you know, I even asked God at one point, why did you make me wait until I was 40 to plant a church? And, um, the, the answer was very clear because I had to get some stuff out of you and I had to get some stuff into you. And, um, those seven years at new covenant was where all that happened. Um, I came in as the youth pastor, um, by the time I left, um, I was wearing about seven different hats. Um, uh, the two main ones were um, I was the North Campus pastor, and that campus had, I don't know, four to 500 people at that one at our North Campus. Um, mm -hmm. And then um, I was over all of our next gen. So that included three different ministries, 
um, and an internship program. Um, and so I was more hands-on with youth. But in that process, when I moved to Campus Pastor, I began developing, um, well, I wrote an internship program, a 17-week program, um, because all of our top talent was going to like Gateway or Lakewood for their internship programs. I'm like, no, nah, heck no. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> we're, we're not doing that anymore. And so um, yeah. we created this program. And now those people that were in the internship program are actually running NextGen now um, since I'm gone. So, man, it's just it's amazing. But wow, can't say enough good about New Covenant. All right. So before we started recording today, Sweb talked about how he's feeling a little spicy today. I'm <laughs> feeling I'm, I'm I'm feeling a little low on sleep, and so uh, maybe that'll make me a little spicy too. And then Jason, people that don't know you, they they should know that you are just 100% spice. So. Oh, this is good. Um, I think we're gonna have I to rate this, this podcast. This will have listen, to be some sort of like yeah, PG thirteen. This will be explicit. That's right. Um, oh, so I, I think this one. Let's like just get straight in, straight okay. into the the lows of planting. You planted in a very uh, different way, I would say, um, because you're kind of attractional, but you're also you started in a house, and um, yeah. so lots of different things, but. I want to get straight to like, what was the worst thing? You got church planters listening to this right now and they're, you know, right now grow conference is happening. So they're, they're going to church of the Highlands thinking, Oh man, like this is it. This is what we <laughs> do, you know? It's easy. And, uh, it's easy. Yeah. And you got, you got all kinds of people listening. So tell them what's the real and the raw of church planting. Um, I guess the first thing I'll say is it's, it's the hardest thing you're ever going to do ever, but it's also the most rewarding thing you're ever going to do ever outside of your family. Um, you know, being a dad is tough, man, because you you love these things that are so incredible, um, but you also want to kick them across the room sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's get real dads. Um, mm-hmm. Want it, to? But, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's the same thing, though, with, with planting a church. I mean, it's. And unlike for us, uh, I mean, you want to get right down to it for us, you know, um, in a small town, especially what you tend to get when you launch a church um, in a small town is all of the people who are ticked off with their previous church. And so they come in and and they are um, uh, almost in a way vying for levels of control on how this church is going to be. And so you're going to have some people that are super evangelistic and they want the signs and the wonders and and all this stuff. But but they don't understand that. Yeah, that's exciting. But there's so much more to Christianity than just getting people saved. Like, bro, that's the line of scrimmage. It's not the end zone. You know what I'm saying? Like saved is that's just the start of this whole process. And so so you get people with these different mindsets that come in. And, you know, one thing that that Ark said was like, be very slow to hand out titles and I hundred percent agree with that, but it's really difficult, man, because when you're, when you're starting a church, whether it's a small town or a large town, you need pillars to build on, man. You need people leading things because you literally can't do everything yourself. And I'm just going to tell you from personal experience, if you try to do everything yourself, go ahead and sell everything you have and, and shut down because it's going to die. You can't <laughs> do it by yourself. Okay. But you need people you can trust and you need people you can lean into and, and the problem is that church people are so good at making you think that they have all their stuff together. But here's, here's what I've learned in our process, at least, um, is, is that if you want to really see what's in somebody, you put pressure on them as soon as you can. 
Um, one of the things I've learned just in ministry is the best way to strengthen someone is to is to put pressure on them and to come alongside them. So when they begin to falter, they have you alongside of them to help them stay straight. But they've got the pressure on top so they can see what this thing is really about. And a lot of times you have people come into a, a church planting situation and they think they're Jesus Christ walking across the holy cornfield until they get one little problem that hits them. And all of a sudden now their whole life is spiraling out of control because they weren't ready for the, the pressure of leading people. It's freaking hard, man. And, and you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to feel great and 100 percent like you're, you're, you know, hell with a water pistol kind of thing. And then you're going to get that text message where one person's ticked off about the dumbest little thing. The, the offering box was an inch out of crooked. Like, come on, man. Like, just, you know what I'm saying? Like the dumbest stuff. And it's like you want to love the sheep, but you want to just like get them in a headlock and just like punch them sometimes. Like, it's just that's that's tough. And so <laughs> learning who you can you can really trust man right mm. and 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 if you've planted a church you know you you don't necessarily have the time to get down to the nuts and bolts of what's really inside of them and so if if i if, if we're really going to get to the raw and dirty real quick i, I got to tell you the biggest lesson i've learned in this process mm-hmm. hands down the biggest lesson i've learned um it's it's something jenison franklin said um in a recent uh message he did um, what you won't confront only grows. And what I learned is this. I was afraid of the confrontation because I was afraid that if I confronted, I would lose people. Hmm. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's one pain that's worse than the confrontation. And that's dealing with the fallout because you refuse to confront something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if I would have done something different to, to keep it from being less raw and all that kind of stuff, I would have confronted way more quickly things that I saw were not correct yeah. or that were that were counter to our culture rather so, than just hoping that God worked it out. Right. Okay. So let me stop you right there because you got people listening that haven't started a church yet, or maybe they're yep. really early. Will you give us, yep. give us an example of something you saw early that you didn't confront and you didn't think it was a big deal, but it was a big deal. And then okay. on the back end, you were like, frick. I should have said mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the husband 100% in and the wife really, I don't know. Yeah. That. Yeah. Because, because I'm going to tell you right now, you get a, I know this may sound chauvinistic, but <laughs> you get, you get a man in a situation where he's got to choose between the church and his wife. He's going to choose his wife every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so if, if she's not all in or if she has questions you better deal with them those questions because those questions are going to surface. And when they surface, it's usually going to be Vesuvius and not some little mm-hmm. pop of lava somewhere out in the wilderness. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So and when so, mm-hmm. you're, you're talking about though, to give some context to what you just said, you're talking about uh, specifically in leadership, like that example, you're not talking about somebody yeah. just comes to the church and starts serving and you know, the husband's in, but the wife doesn't want to wipe butts in the nursery. You're 100%. talking about like high level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. And I wouldn't even say high level. I would say just people that you are considering a part of your leader team. And, and you know, early on when you're planting a church, you're right. You don't give out the titles and like, OK, well, you're the youth pastor. You're like, you, you don't do that. But but you do have to have a set person over areas. And whether you give them the title or not, if you give somebody authority, that's when they feel the leadership. So it's not when you give them the title, it's when you give them the authority, you know? And so 
those people, like it, whoever you're going to put in that position, you just need to do your very best to make sure that they are they are all in. I mean, it's like, Austin, I know y'all had culture nights just like we had culture nights where you try to develop the culture before you launch. And mm-hmm. those things are great. You need to do that. But as much instilling of who you are and who you're going to be as a church into those people, the better, because you, they're going to begin to reproduce who they are. And and what I don't want is somebody to be a leader that is 60% in, but 40% questioning. And all of a sudden they're interacting with lay people within the church that all of a sudden now they've got 40% worth of questions because the person that they've been being led by has 40% worth of questions. Yeah, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You, you've, you've got to, you've got to interact with that situation and make sure that your, your lead team is, you know, because it doesn't, it does impact the rest of your congregation drastically. Okay. So let me ask you, this. okay, let's go spicy question kind of thing. Uh, you're okay. old enough to have, uh, you know, circled the sun a few times and you got the oxygen experience covenant and all those kind of things. Everything you're saying makes sense. And I think all of us at least, and pl- probably plenty of listeners have probably experienced some version of what you're saying. My, my kind of question, and it's not rhetorical, I'd be curious to know what level of vulnerability you kind of go with here, but you're also not saying anything new, um, meaning surely you knew, especially you, man, you got experience. You, you you knew some of these things ahead of time. Why do you feel like, why do you feel like, you know, you're essentially seeing that or making a mistake that you knew about 20 years ago? And here's what I know that's absolutely true is people are listening to this and maybe it's a 22 year old that's listening to this and they go, cool, I got it. But then sure enough, when they're 27, whether it's a small town or big city, they're going to make the same mistake. And why do you feel like that cycle continues? What is the thing in us that says, oh, but it won't happen to me? Or, hey, that's them. Screw them. They don't really know what it's like because small town is blank. Big city is blank. The south, the north, whatever. Like, you know, you've seen this, but you went ahead and still saw some of the same problems. Are we talking about things that just can't be solved? Or or where do you think this cycle? Why does it happen? I don't know. I, I was listening to a podcast the other day with Kerry Newoff, and um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's the guy that started Hillsong in Atlanta, and then they switched to like New, New Story Church or something like that. And um, they were talking about um, when they were at the ARC Intensive, and they heard the statement that the people you launch with are not going to be the people that you you stay with because like they'll leave. But I was like, no, nah, not me. Not, not That's, that's not going to happen to me. And Carrie Newhoff said the same thing. Right. That pastor said the same thing. Like all of us say the same thing. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, we believe that people aren't going to leave. I'm telling you, people are going to leave. Right. They they are going to leave. And so um, I did know better. And I, I did know the process. But, man, this is something that I have learned. Um, I was I was an associate for 20 years. Um, let me just tell you very firmly you have no clue how many arrows your senior pastor is taking for you. Right. And I think that has been something that's been very, very difficult in the process is going from going from the associate level to the lead, the senior level, the lead pastor level. Mm-hmm. Um, man, it's, it's a, every arrow is pointed at you. Right. And so, so I think you, you get to these moments where you feel like either, you're kind of invincible to those. And so you act based on what you think, Oh, well, I might can do it better. Or, mm-hmm. you know, especially, I mean, if you're planting a church, you have a, a heart of a pioneer inside of you anyway. Mm-hmm. And so that blaze a new trail is like in you as much as your blood cells are, your DNA is. 
And so there's a part of people I think that says, you know, that's not going to happen to me. We're going to do it better. Yeah. Okay. Whatever, man, it's going to happen, you know? Um, But, but I I think also that I wasn't prepared for the level of, of, of pressure myself, uh, the arrows that I was going to take as the lead pastor and not just from people, but the spiritual level. I mean, honestly, do you really think Satan is just going to chill out while you go plant a church? that's going to change a region. Get out of here with that. Right. Yeah, that makes did, sense. Were, did anyone share that with you? Like, did they say, hey, you don't understand yet? Or no, no one it, said that? Austin, it's just like whenever you get married and nobody tells you as a man how hard it is to provide for a family. That's excruciating. It's very difficult. It, 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 and, and nobody tells you that. Mm-hmm. And nobody tells you that they can tell you how to plant. But I don't know that people are effectively telling you what like what these are going to be the things that are going to crush your spirit while you plant. Yeah. And betrayal and leadership is one of the biggest things because you you're putting all of your, all of your eggs in the basket of these people are here to help do this thing. Mm -hmm. Something that you've had in your heart for years and years, all of a sudden now you're getting to do it and you have these people come alongside you. And then within, you know, a few months, uh, we feel like God's telling us to do something else. Well, that was quick. (laughs) Let me uh, let me ask you a, a yes or no question, kind of a black or white, just for the just for the fun of it. Um, you have to pick one side on this question. Do you okay. feel like it, it, you know? Again, you got to gun to your head, kind of thing. Um, well, I guess I'm going to be the guy that continues to trust people early, quote too early, or something like that, and take that fallout. Or would you say the better option is to completely stay closed off, not trust anybody? I've worked for both of those people. I worked for a guy most recently that took probably six or seven years of pretty solid success on my part to even pretend to earn a a level of trust. But then before that, I worked for a guy who's like just handing out authority and titles with barely knowing your first syllable of your first name kind of thing. Like which side of the, of the coin, so to speak, would you, (laughs) would you just have to pick? Yeah. There there are problems with both of them, but if Mm -hmm. I had to pick one, I would say you always trust people. Yeah. That's a part of my core nature though. It's like, I'm a, I'm a glass man. You literally can ask me anything and I'll tell you if, if anything of my worst can help you get through your worst, I'll tell you anything. Yeah. So I'm, I'm naturally trusting. And it's like, if your yes is yes, I'm going to believe it's a yes. And that leads to a lot of pain, but yeah. um, I would rather trust and hurt than not trust at all. Yeah. You know what I'm I, saying? I agree. I, I wonder if you just think that you think that's like a personality thing or an experience thing or a resilience thing, maybe uh, like why people um, pick one of those two sides. I don't know. My on my disc profile, I'm an ID, okay. and so it's like I, 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 people refresh me. I mm-hmm. love people, yeah. And so people who love people, I find it easier to trust people. Mm-hmm. Now a CS, <laughs> they're never going to trust you, man. Sure. You know what sure. I'm saying? Yeah. Like they're yeah. always skeptical of what's going on. But it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I think some of it. I think a lot of it is personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other part of it is just history. Yeah. Okay. I want to get to some operational things. Um, okay. Unless Austin, you gonna want to, want to tag on to any of that stuff right there? Um, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. All right, you, I want to I want to go to one of my favorite things you said. Um, I just right up front, I probably don't agree with you on this, but I just I think this will be really interesting to hear your perspective sure. on. Uh, and we've obviously through even just this short life of this podcast uh, heard kind of both sides of this, and I've got experience from both sides of this, but. In your in your uh, email, your questionnaire kind of thing that we send you, you know, when when you sign up for a time, we said, "What would you have done different?" And you said, um, "I mean, I would I would totally rethink ever being portable or some version of that." Basically, I'm not mm-hmm. going to be portable. I don't like it. I can't believe we had to do it. Some version of that is what I'm I'm putting words in your mouth now. But 
you seemed pretty emphatic about it. Obviously, just reading text, you know, on an email. But um, man, speak to that. Why? Why are you so? It's, it's, it feels adamant. Like man, we just ah, portable sucks. Like walk, walk us through that. No, I'm definitely not adamant about it. I, okay. I, I'm, I'm here's here's my thing, man. It's like mm-hmm. there is there is not, and there never will be a a. Just one size fits all. Right. I mean, it's the podcast name. <laughs> right, it's, right. <laughs> it's never going to be Man, exactly the same. Man, who picked that name? I don't so know who picked that name, bro. Came from the Lord. Genius. <laughs> no, um, but, but here, okay, uh, and I'm going to try to be careful how I say this, but no, in my go, experience, bro. well, in my experience with church planting organizations, it's almost like they're going <laughs> to oh, be, no. chill out, bro, chill out, bro. <laughs> Just blame it on me. It's um, fine. They're they're going to give you this template, and mm-hmm. if you don't do this template and don't get the result that's expected, you're a failure. Yep. I know churches who who the guys celebrated like mm-hmm. crazy because they had forty people at launch. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. uh, and it's like it's like you you go you go to a, a city that's got two million people. Yeah, I mean five hundred people at launch. Is very very doable. Yeah, you better. Bro, that's yeah. not gonna that's yeah. not gonna happen where we are. Sure. I mean, it's it's just. I mean, if it does, it's miraculous. Sure. I mean, because the biggest church in our county probably has three hundred people in it. Right. Okay. So, I mean, like right now where we sit, I think we're like the third largest church in our whole county right now. Mm-hmm. And and so it's like when it comes to portable though, in small towns, again, just the small town context. Mm-hmm. Just like whenever, um, like if you get an email from somebody that's a business thing and they're using their Gmail and not their business email address, <laughs> yeah. you're like, okay, is this freaking sketch? <laughs> like, who's this guy? Like, you know, <laughs> Billy, you know, mm-hmm. Billy likes bikes at gmail.com. I'm not sending you my credit card info, bro. You know, I'm emailing that guy um, today when we're done. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's like, there's this legitimacy that comes with somebody having a website, which is ridiculous mm-hmm. because you mm-hmm. can literally go get a website in 10 minutes. But it's the same thing in small towns, at least with having a building, like being portable. People are like, so like, are y'all here today and going tomorrow kind of thing? Like, what's what's that? Um, And and so, um, you know, when we when we launched, we we had two launches. Essentially, we had what we called our soft launch in October of 2020. Mm -hmm. And that's because um, we had a situation with the school. We were going to be portable at our Nottingham um, school here in um, in Dayton, but with COVID, all that got jacked up. Mm-hmm. And so as September 20th came and went, we, our team was like, okay, what are we going to do? And so we decided to just start meeting in the home of one of our congregants. We weren't trying to grow. We weren't trying to do anything like that. It was just, it was just, let's take care of our team and pray to our God, what do you want to do? And, and through that process, we were portable. Which during was, that process. Hold on just a second, which was yep. how many people and, I think you you should be you should share a little bit more about that because it was like I remember seeing the Facebook post launching and it felt like just launch on a whim. It was just like a we had a launch date, it got canceled and then randomly I see Jason Cowart selfie video saying, "Hey, we're launching this week." <laughs> um, yeah. so share some of that context as well. How many people all that? Yeah, well, um I tend to bulldoze through gates instead of, you know, <laughs> so that's kind of what that was. But no, uh, here's the thing. September 20th came and went. The next week was at the 27th of uh, 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 September 27th. We said, hey, let's meet at this house and we're just going to have a worship day. We're just like, let's just let's just go worship and figure out what the Lord wants us to do. And so we did that. And after that, uh, the lady whose house we met at, she was like, hey, why don't we just why don't we just meet here on Sundays? Like, I mean, we can't meet anywhere else, you know, so let's just do that. And so 
I was like, yeah, okay. I mean, that, that'll work. And so we said, let's just do this. Let's, let's launch. And again, our, our goal wasn't to like officially launch. It was just, yeah. let's take care of our team. We didn't really grow during that time, but bro, we had like, we had like 60 people on our lead team at that point. And so, um, the sanctuary was the living room of, of one house. Our kids ministry was in the house next door. Um, so that's hilarious. It was a really tough when it rained because it's like, everybody's coming in just drenched in water. But, um, um, it was just, it was, it was the weirdest thing. The coolest thing though. I mean, it's like the community that was there was pretty awesome. And, um, and so we were portable though, through that time. And, and, I know this much. It even just that short amount of time um, between then and Easter Sunday of of twenty one, our team was already getting like, okay, is is there an end in sight to portable? And now it is it is a tax on on your team. But listen, when you're in a in a metroplex and you've got a hundred people on your team, as opposed to twenty people doing all the setup, you know what I'm saying? It's a it's a whole different animal. And so it's so much more work on those people. Um, but for us specifically, it really involved just we we wanted to be we wanted to like plant in this in the town. We wanted we wanted to be there. And and we actually had people that have told us, like, if you all have been portable, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have, have come. And so, again, it's I, I have no shade to anybody who, who goes portable. And I mean, knock yourself out. Do what you think is best for your specific context. Um, but for us. Knowing what I know now, I don't think I would have ever even thought about being portable going yeah. into it. I would have raised the funds for our right. our rent at our place. Okay. Sorry. Let's go back to something else that I feel like we just skirted over pretty quick. Um, okay. You don't have to mention names necessarily, although that would be a fun activity. Um, what um, <laughs> Do you have some sort of – I mean, you kind of mentioned it earlier. I don't know if I wrote down your quote, but basically um, what – what what is the aversion to just the church plant networks, the organizations, those kind of things? Have we become? Is it just too much of an industry now, and it's a commodity where we're just stamping things and shipping them, and we're taking the art and, and calling out of it, or or what? You know, have you had a negative experience kind of thing? Is is there a better yeah. way? I mean, I have opinions. I'm sure you have opinions. I'm just curious if you wanted to fire off a couple of things here just to challenge some people. Um, sure. So, I guess let me start by saying that. Um, Arrogance and laziness are the two things that I hate the most. Yeah. Okay. It And as a pastor, when I see an arrogant pastor, mm-hmm. you talk about spicy, bro. I, <laughs> I can't, I cannot understand who you think you are, right. that you're going to be arrogant and lead the body of Christ. Like who, who do you, do you know who you're working for, bro? Like, right. do you, do you know who your boss is? Like, the most humility that could ever have been in a person. That's your boss, but you're going to be arrogant. And, and what I saw in, in some of these church planting networks was just this. It's like, it wasn't about you going and seeing the kingdom move forward in your specific context, in your specific area. Mm -hmm. It was about bigger, better, and who you knew. And I'm going to tell you, man, I'm low on that totem pole of who you know. Man, I've written some books, and I've been at churches, and I know some people, but it's like I'm low on that totem pole. And so it's like, if you won't even give me the time to talk face-to-face at an event that I've come to to learn— what what's it going to look like going forward, bro? If I'm already nothing now, what's yeah. it going to look like when I launch? Yeah. Um, 
I have I have a friend that launched and and was like I mentioned before he was pumped about the number of people that he had and he got a call from his organization and they said oh my gosh well what went wrong we're gonna send some people to go down and figure out what was wrong and he was like what do you mean what went wrong like we're ecstatic <laughs> you know so it's like bigger doesn't mean better right you know I, I said it to our congregation we we've experienced about a three hundred twelve percent growth in our congregation in the last seven months yeah um, at our church it's it's blown up. And I said to our people on Sunday, I was like, uh, you not just because you're growing doesn't mean you're healthy, like cancer grows. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it, it's like it, it's like look at the context of what's going on here and see. I mean, honestly, we had 140 people at our at our official launch on Easter Sunday of 2021. That's great. By by the metrics, by the percentage of people in our town eligible for that versus who came, mm-hmm. killing it, bro. Yeah. Like yeah. knocked Metroplex planters out of the water. Right. Yeah. But that's not celebrated. Right. The only thing is celebrated is, oh, you had 800 people at your launch. Yeah, baby. Come on, man. Well, I, I haven't dropped a bomb in a while, so let me just report a stat. Um, Stephen Furtick had 122, I believe, at launch day. Jeremy Foster had over 1,200 on launch day. And I'll just leave, leave it that. Um, you know, not saying anything individually, personally about either of them. I'm just reporting a stat. Um, and so I'm, I'm and your show started in his garage. Yep. After being denied, you know, how many times from different ordination processes yeah. or whatever. So I, I get it. It's hilarious that that's what we do, but yet we all still do it. We still pay yeah. for conference fees to go and, and be seen by so-and-so all the people are like, I'm not in it for that. Three days later, right after getting off a podcast like this, are still posting a selfie with some guy who might lead a podcast. who's grown a church to a huge size of a thousand. And, yeah. you know, okay. I mean, if y'all want pictures, me and Austin have a podcast too. I guess we're experts. So, um, and we'll send you an autograph <laughs> one for 1995. It's fine. In a, in a vial of oil. Um, but, um, but I'm with you. I, I, it's, but it's one of those things again, like I, I was asking that question earlier about, you know, but we still do it. Sure enough, this is another thing we still do. I wonder, I wonder if we, if, if we want to change it from my negative spicy context, I'm trying really hard not to name names, but if we want to change it from that over to something positive, is there some sort of like devotional you want to give us? Is there some sort of thing we can do? Is there a Bible reading plan that we can get from Bobby's you version that says, Hey, here's how you cannot get sucked into this black hole of wanting to be seen uh, or being paid to start a, you know, Hey, they give us 50 grand. So that's why we went with them. I mean, that's, I don't know how that's any more clear a version of prostitution if when people tell me that's why we chose them is money. So, um, you know, is there, again, can you give us a positive churchy spin on this? Is there something that we all need to yeah. look inside ourselves to, to finally get I, it right? Before you go to Jason, I, I want to show the, I think, yeah, I want to show the flip side of that coin too. Because mm-hmm. Jason and I, we met at one of those. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Jason chose not to go that route. We chose to go that route. And I would say that again, with the whole one size fits none, um, we we utilize Sweb coaching us on a personal level, but we also utilize a lot of what we got from Church Planting Network. So right. there's like good and bad. Yeah, and absolutely. I think that there's there's a balance there. And then even going back to the portability thing that Jason was touching on so eloquently um, is it, like we launched in a high school. And even in a larger city, it depends on who you're reaching um, as to how familiar someone is with Portable Church. So if you're reaching church people, then a lot of church people in 2022, they understand Portable Church. Unchurched people don't. So we had 
<laughs> we had one girl that <laughs> came to our church and she did not want to come. Her husband made her. She didn't want to come because she was afraid that they were going to be at a pep rally in the gym sitting on bleachers for church because mm-hmm. she didn't understand church yeah. and school. Well, no matter how many pictures we put up that show that it's not in a gym, like that's still the mental picture people have. And then when yeah. she got there, her expectation was blown out of the water. So I just say that to say that like there's there's a flip side to both sides of that. But well, that's sorry. that's kind of my point is you're mm-hmm. smart though, mm-hmm. and and you you have the ability to go between and eat the fish, leave the bones to use that that cliche or whatever. So and I, yeah. I agree with that. I don't have a problem with that too. I've I've leveraged uh you know a super traditional background with you know, hyper charismatic, um, you know, advice on the other end sometimes. So I get that. And I totally agree with that. Um, I just want to know probably why are you the rarity? Um, and I'm wondering how do we get more of that sort of teachability to be able to do both? We're not talking about anybody's personal character here necessarily by saying, if you did a a network of sorts and you know, there's multiple networks, by the way, there's one or two that are famous, uh, or infamous. Um, but then, you know, then that's fine. Um, but I know that there's others. And again, like you said, it's not all bad and wholly by themselves, they're not bad, but again, you're the rarity. And I just don't know why that is. I don't know why we can't come into it, um, with a humble mindset. And kind of like you were saying a minute ago, um, about, you know, freaking be humble and don't be arrogant. And a lot of people are trying to, you know, sail on the, on this like ship of arrogance. Like, I just want to be a part of them because if I join that network, I'll be successful. And they'll ride Mm. that train for five. I have, I have a couple of former friends, now just acquaintances that did that. And for some reason they are just still so adamant that they are successful six years in running a hundred people in cities of three or 4 million people, by the way, still speaking on podcasts and doing the conference things, but you still can't grow your church past a few hundred people, which again, it's not about numbers. I get it. Um, sort of, um, but you see what I'm saying? Like we just love yeah. to rub and push against that, that thought that maybe we just don't know it all. Maybe we just need to put our head down and get to work. And I just wonder why that's rare. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I agree with, with Austin. There's a few things I can say here, but, the, um, I agree with Austin that there is good and bad in all these organizations. And we did learn some stuff from the organization that we were a part of. Mm-hmm. So I, and and in our leaving, even though I had one really horrible, I mean, like literally the worst conversation I've ever had with a human being on the phone <laughs> I had with this one person. But the second conversation was incredibly gracious. And, you know, the problem I had with that specific organization was that they didn't provide the main thing that I thought I was going to get from them. And that was the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm in an organization now called Next Level Relational Network. Mm-hmm. And for the first six months, I was like, okay, I'm waiting for the rug to be pulled out. Yeah. And I got to this moment where I realized there is no rug there. Yeah. Um, the, it's just, it's, they have been, other than New Covenant Church, it's the organization that has been the absolute best for me. Mm-hmm. And so that relationship thing is a big deal. But going back to the question that you asked, you know, about the keep doing this and all that stuff, here is, here is something that um, in 2018, at New Covenant, I was it was in the foyer of our North Campus one day, and I don't know if you've ever had this situation. It wasn't a dream. It was just like I was standing there, like staring out the window, and I kind of had like this vision kind of thing. And and a sheep walked in, and it was like bad, and just went to the sanctuary. I'm like, all right, cool. And then the next sheep walked in with blood all over its wool, and so I went over. It had a broken leg, and so I went over there and I started doing the process of fixing, you know, like helping it and bandaging it and all that. And it went on to the sanctuary, and then a third sheep walked in. And I heard the Lord say, go put your hands in its wool. And when I did, I felt a lump. And if you want me to tell you the biggest issue that I see with pastors right now is that they don't have their hands in the wool anymore. Mm-hmm. 
it's like you sheep are not going to display what the issue is very blatantly and obviously every single time. Mm -hmm. And, and so you've got to go get your hands in the wool and figure out what's going on in their lives. And the, the closer you get to the sheep, the more you work with the sheep, the more you smell like sheep. And bro, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have time to rub shoulders with big wigs because I got sheep to take care of. Right. And it's like, you know, Jesus didn't seek out the most important people in the town when he went to that town. Mm -hmm. He, he looked, he was, seeking the loss. He was yeah. looking for people that needed that. That's the prayer that we prayed before we went to plant. It's not God send us to a Metroplex so we can be successful and have a giant launch. It was God send us to a place that needs the message that you put in our hearts. Right. That's where we want to go. Right. And so anytime you lose, I mean, honestly, the, these, these big names that you see that are, that are falling, mm-hmm. it's, it it's, it's not necessarily that, you know, they're just terrible people. They're not, but they've gotten so far away removed yeah. from actually hands in the sheep. Yeah. I think that they lose sight of what's important. And the last thing I'll say about that is this, that, um, you know, some of the organizations that I see and, and a lot of pastors out there, I see, um, they are, they're just orphans that are trying to get some approval from some random father. Right. Yeah, that's right. And um, I mean, I wrote a book called killing the orphan spirit and, and it's all about, it's all about finally getting to the reality of who you are. And that's a son or daughter, not an orphan. Satan wants you an orphan. God wants you to be a son or daughter. And I look in some of these church planting organizations and I see these guys with so much potential and the, just the, sorry, man. It's just like, it's, it's painful because I lived as an, as a spiritual orphan for 35 years Mm -hmm. and to feel God's love as a father is um, I can't describe it. It's, it changes everything and it makes you stop needing the approval of people mm-hmm. and stop needing somebody to give you that attaboy and to pat you on the back. Mm-hmm. And if you get into church planting because you want the success and the glory and the attaboys, yeah. stop now, bro. <laughs> yeah. Like legit stop now because <laughs> right. you're going, you're not only going to hurt yourself, you're going to hurt people big time. Yeah. And it's like, you need to be in this game because you want to spend the rest of your life helping people become sons and daughters, not because it'll, you know, get you more book sales. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just really frustrating to I'm me, with man. You. I, no, you remind me of a of a post Instagram post Josh Howerton a couple of weeks ago posted. Maybe y'all saw that. I encourage everybody to go back and read it. He didn't mention names, but I just loved how he kind of spelled out. I don't know what it was six or eight different examples of lead pastors that aren't famous, but are doing all the things that you mm-hmm. just talked about. Yeah. I thought that was a really great provocative post to kind of spin the narrative that's currently being pushed out there from both sides. You got the media type side of like, oh, all churches are X, Y, and Z. And then you got the church people validating that by saying, hey, come be this. If you just be this famous, here's the template, here's the handbook. If you just did the handbook, come to the round yeah. table, meet the pastors in the green room, you can do this. And he just kind of flipped all that. And I, I thought that was a really great challenging post to be one of those profiles that he highlighted. So uh, I love You know it. what's really funny? Saying. What's really funny is that I've met probably five of these people that I thought were like, these are my heroes when it comes to this. <laughs> Every one of them, I had a trash experience. Okay. I had one of them literally yeah. tell me this. You ready for this? I, I, I went to him and I said, hey, I wanted to thank him for doing a certain thing when it comes to church planting yeah. because it's it has helped us and made an impact on us or whatever. Well, tell me about what's going on. Tell me about your church, whatever. And I said, well, we, we launched in a house with, with 60 people. And he looked at me and he said, what? And I said, yeah. He goes, Dude, you need to stop telling people that you launched or else you're going to ruin your actual launch. 60 people, you barely have a launch team, much less a church. Bro. I'm not even kidding. That's no, what he said. There. I was been like, there. I'm with you. All right, man. 
<laughs> what did you say? What did you say back? You're saying yeah, okay. After you punched him, what did you say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I did something that's uncharacteristic. And I said, well, I appreciate your opinion. I just wanted to say thanks for, for you know, what you've you know, done to help uh, yeah. church planters and all that. Yeah. Um, God bless you, man. And I walked away and I thought, what a freaking, you know, I just, I was so dumbfounded, you know, and, and we didn't take the 50K um, in that situation because we, we, um, we had a theological issue with it. Sure. And I had another pastor tell me, well, you're just being too legalistic then, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. Oh Lord, help me! You know, yeah. it's just I just man, I just want to I just want to move the kingdom, dude. Yeah. And however you can do that in your specific context in your town, mm-hmm. bro, knock yourself out. But I'm going to tell you right now, I needed I needed the relationships. I needed guys like Austin to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Austin, you're what half my age, but but it's like, <laughs> I mean, but it's yeah. like, um, it, it's like just the you and me bantering back and forth. I mean, it was, it was beneficial to you too. It was beneficial to both of us. And yeah. you need those relationships with people that actually are chasing after the same thing you are. And that's just the kingdom moved and heaven populated people's lives changed yeah, forever. That's right. that's right. So, so there's, there, there's been a lot of, lot of talk today about like basically running against the, <laughs> what is the stream of church planting playbooks. And we agree one size fits none and all that. But I'm wondering if there are some things that you've learned along the way that you would say, man, that's just a principle. And that's something that if you're getting ready to start a church that you should definitely implement. It sounds like maybe relationship is one of those. But what are some what are some other nuts and bolts that you give, whether somebody's launching large in a school or launching small in a house? This is just church planting principles 101. Yeah, um, I mean, like on a on a spiritual side of it, um, I think you need to not underestimate the spiritual warfare that you're about to experience. I don't mm-hmm. care how strong your marriage is; you and your wife about to fight, bro. Yeah. Um, and it's going to get real. And it's going to so you you. I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in the business and logistical side of planting a church that we forget that this is primarily spiritual, and every demon in that region is going to be coming after you. I mean, Satan does not want you to succeed. So he's going to hit you. Um, I'm going to tell you, you want to know the first thing that I felt when I moved down? The very first thing for the first month and a half, it was overwhelming. It was isolation and aloneness. It was, I I was just out here all by myself. Um, Mm -hmm. Nobody came with us from New Covenant and and we had one that was going to come, but I intentionally said, no, you need to stay. And because there was a better opportunity for her there. But um, man, it was, that was really tough. So the spiritual side, like be sure that you have um, seasoned Christians in your life that are praying for you on the regular and be sure that anytime you begin to um, experience things like, um, like depressive thoughts or um, the feeling of isolation or uh, a feeling of this is never going to work, bro. You don't just internalize that, take a Anison and keep on going about your day. Like you talk to somebody, make a phone call, yeah, that's like great. send a text. Um, I, I, I'm a big fan of code words. So it's like, I had, I had a group of guys back at new covenant. We had a code word. So if I text a banana, they knew I'm struggling. Pray for me right now. You know? So it's like, you don't have to go in some long drawn out. Well, this is what I'm doing. And I forget all that. Just get you a crew, a team, a squad that's willing to pray for you throughout this thing. That's a big deal yeah. on the money side. I've talked to so many people <laughs> that have spent so much money getting the church up and running. And like, 
tens of thousands of dollars on a sound system. Yeah. You know how much our sound system costs when we launch? And I realize, I mean, we're a small context. Even now, we, we've not spent more than $10,000 on the entirety of our sound system. Hmm. And it's like, if you like call somebody at Sweetwater and, and, and get them to help you get a package together for your specific venue, you know, it's like stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, you can spend a lot of money. Um, the last thing I'll tell you is this is um, Welby Pierce. Um, he planted Hope Rising a few years back in Houston he said something to me that um, really, really hit home. And I didn't understand it when he said it, but I totally understand it now. He said, you're going to experience highs and lows. And whenever you're high, bottle some of that up. Because when you're low, you're going to need a drink from somewhere. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, when you are in the high moment and you just had 15 people join your team and they're all tens, like be pumped and be excited Write that down. Remember the, the feeling of excitement that you had in that moment, because when half of them leave in the next six months, you're going to need to remember that, hey, God was faithful then. He's going to continue to be faithful. Yeah. When we signed the lease on our building, it was really funny because um, I, I, had a, I had a dream one night. I was very against going to Liberty because, God, you called me to go to Dayton. And I had a dream one night, and the Lord said, did I say go to Dayton? And I started to remember, I was like, oh, snap, I don't think you ever said Dayton specifically. And he said, I want you thinking regional, not city. So, so think that way. But um, I had this dream that I was looking in Liberty for property. And the next morning, there's a the, the Liberty and Dayton are separated by the Trinity river. And the next morning I woke up and I had a family friend call and said, man, we have been thinking about you all morning. All we hear the Lord saying is you just need to go across the river. I'm like, Oh snap. That's mm -hmm. pretty Awesome. So we're looking for a property. We find a place, the place that we're in right now. And I'm sitting there and make room is playing on the radio. Cause you know, I'm, you know, if you worship while you're looking it, God helps you, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and um, so I just felt, I mean, it just felt the Holy spirit say, Hey, look, I need you to make room for what I want to do. And I'm like, bro, you're the one with my money, you know? So this takes money and I'm kind of being salty back to Jesus, but it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And um, the day we signed the lease, we had two checks for $34,000 in our hand that covered the entirety of our build out. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to money, you don't have to spend $200,000 to make this thing work. Yeah. But if it, you know, if maybe you're in a bigger context, a different context, uh, um, uh, my missions professor, he said something I'll never forget. He said, whether you're planting a church or going to Africa, know your people group. That's good. And if you don't know your people group, you better stop everything you're doing right now and figure out who you're going to, what they, how they job, how they do things, how they think before you do anything. That's great, man. That's, that's a good, really I think that's a good place to land this plane and yeah. have people get off the podcast, go do some uh, people group research. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So that's, right. that's great, man. That's great. Well, uh, this has been Jason. Thank you for joining us, man. Yeah. And man. Um, Freedom Church in Dayton, Texas. Your Liberty website. Texas, Liberty. Liberty. Gosh, yeah, I'm Liberty. The worst. You can go to his house, but that's for Sunday Jeez. school. I mean, yeah, okay. to my house. I mean, <laughs> that's for Sunday school. <laughs> Coffee and donuts, fellowship that's connection. Great. It's that's all great. the things. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Man. But uh, thanks but no, for um, freedom, freedomdale.com is our church website. Mm -hmm. And then um, so I do this thing on uh, a podcast called The Daily Hit. That's that's pretty awesome. It's um, I just take a Bible verse and I take five minutes just unpacking it and cool. how you can apply it to your life. So that's on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts and then um, if you go to Amazon and search, you, I got a bunch of books out there. And so cool. um, I'm not Max freaking Lakato, but um, I do believe 
This podcast is going to put you over the top, though, bro. We're going to sell go, tens, of, I'm, I'm, tens of Those books. sales might get me to rub shoulders with That's, the people that dude, I finally want to I'm going to introduce you to all the famous people. In this <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not Max Lucado, but I think that if there is something inside of you, you need to put it down on paper because when you die, it's gone forever. Yeah, so all you guys out there that's got something inside of you, write it down. Um, you get it out there. That's good.